ten for a Thursday, and it's da 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 da. Steve Vines time. How are you? Good morning. Good I've morning. Got scars. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now uh, I want to start off with a little one-liner from Chris, one of our listeners, Chris the Fishman. He says, "I like your article in the SCMP this morning. Yeah, why don't they throw all these bankers in jail?" Uh, that is that, a top that's, intellect. That's entirely, As listeners go, uh, that's an entirely uncontroversial statement. He, he's he's talking about the fact that um, these very wonderful chaps at HSBC say, "Ah, yes, well, we might have been involved in a, in a tad of helping very rich people to evade their taxes or avoid their taxes. Uh, we might have been involved in um, a little bit of rigging of the um, exchange markets for which they were done in the United States. Oh, and by the way, our profits are down seventeen percent, but in no way." can we personally be held to blame for any of this this is all other chaps fault it's the system's fault it's the um um, um global warming and, and whatever and what i like is the chairman no sorry the chief executive young mr gulliver um of hsbc was hauled up in front of the house of commons one of the select committees of the house of commons yesterday and he said um, we're now de-risking the bank I thought, gosh, that's a new word. What does, that, what does that mean? Plus then there's the stuff about him and his own stuff. Well, there's... Oh, I love that. But you don't own a sweetie no. shop without having the odd jelly baby no, 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 on no, the side, it, do you? What I love about that is, I mean, the whole thing is... Uh, I mean, to use the word murky doesn't kind of come up to the mark, but he said that the reason he had a Swiss bank account, along with all the other tax avoiders... Um, but held in the Panamanian company's name. Now, get this. The reason for that was that he didn't want other people in the bank... Um, to know. ..to know how much he was getting in bonuses. So he put it behind this anonymous facade. And then he said, and this was the thing which nobody seems to have picked up on, oh, of course, everybody in the bank had access to this information. I'm thinking, what about those other punters, which sometimes are known as customers? How do they feel? about the fact that you've got a bank that's so slack that anybody can bang up on their computer screen details of individual account holders' accounts. Yeah, I thought you know, that's what they could do, though. Well, according... Well, we have it from Mr. Gulliver's <laughs> own lips that that's exactly what they can do, but what does that tell you about the system that they operate over there at HSB? What does that tell you about if you're just an ordinary punter, maybe somebody like me, who doesn't evade or avoid their taxes, and you want to put money in the bank, not that I don't go within a thousand miles of HSBC, but that's an entirely other story, and and you think that if you've put your money in there, that information is going to be contro uh, controversial, I was going to say, is going to be confidential. Boy, it seems, and we now have it said in the public domain, that that just ain't so. He can't even trust his own staff to keep his own personal financial affairs stumm. Can you imagine if you're just an ordinary punter. <laughs> well, this is the this is the cracker, because this is the real sharp end we're talking about this morning and in the news. But go way down the other end to, yes, to, you, yes. to you sort of queuing up. Yeah. The horror stories on social media about this, you're a bunch of, well, they say Barclays bankers, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, I do. The, I mean, the I know customer bankers, service stories are uh, horrendous. But anyway, anyway, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely desperate for, for Mr. Gulliver because apparently, and he, he told all <coughs> the H HSBC investors he said, "Well, you know, don't think, don't think that I haven't suffered financially this year as a result of it. That poor man is having to live on a salary last year of only ninety million dollars. I mean, it's not a salary right. that includes his bonuses and his nose-picking allowance and all the rest of it. Well, I mean, how he gets by 
on $90 million a year is a complete mystery to me. <laughs> I don't know how he manages. I just don't. Yeah, listen, I mean, it's already, it's already started, certainly in the UK. i tell you something interesting in well, a second. Well, not only in the UK. No, 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 I'm, I'm specifically UK. Simon, one of our listeners, sent me a Huffington UK blog this morning yeah. by John, John, John White, excuse me, and it says the board of HSBC should be arrested and the bank taken into public ownership, and of course you can imagine, it goes on. Yes, some people are, are demanding something slightly more severe than arrest, but... We don't demand that here at Radio 3 because we're posh people. Do you know something? You know this. Very, very different society there. Your high streets in the little towns in the UK. You've got your older generation people who bank at HSBC. I've known people go, what? When they find out it means Hong, Hong Kong, Kong and yes. Shanghai Bank. Well, there, there was a blog I saw. It used saw. to be Midland, didn't it? Was it Midland? Well, it was Midland, yes, yeah. that's right. And, and uh, there, there was a blog I saw. And, you know, of course, in Hong Kong, this is, this is unremarkable. And it, it, it said, all you need to know is what the initials HSBC stand for. Apparently, it stands for Hong Kong and Shanghai Bank, Britain's biggest bank. Consider it that. It flips out. Yeah. Auntie Mavis in the high street totally flips yeah, around. I know. I know. That's why they don't use it, of course. Oh, and incidentally, um, this same Mr. Gulliver, who, who lives and works in London, is uh, domiciled in Hong Kong for tax purposes. I'm sure. I'm silly, is I'm sure that's a. Um, what's the word for it? Oh. Let's not use it. There's <laughs> so many words we can't use. <laughs> I know, there's so many words you can't use. So many and, words we can't and those use. boys have a lot of very high-powered lawyers, so we're not going to uh, give them any additional let's, work. Let's All go. I can say is, not nice. Not nice. <laughs> let's go to Chris, who sends us to, uh, an email here. I'm going to put the second paragraph first, Chris. He says, I fully agree with Chris the Fishman. Bankers will not stop until they go to jail. Massive fines on the banks just hurt shareholders. Most of us, if you include pension funds, unit trusts, etc., they're an easy way out for the authorities to do nothing substantive. Just comment that first, then we'll do the other well, paragraph. Well, he's right on the money there. Yep. He's absolutely Top right on listeners. the money there. Because... As he says, the fines don't come out of the pockets of the people who did the crime or did the uh, misdemeanour or whatever you want to call it. They come from Johnny Shareholder. It's funny, funny this. You know, today is the day that bearings went to you. Yes, yes. And, of course, as you know, all the top directors of bearings were, oh, that's right, completely spared any, any... Um, any kind of penalty, yeah. except for the fact that... I mean, they got, of course, Nick Leeson, you know, who was a sort of Johnny-come-lately trader, and they got some other people. Um, but the big boys, the boys who were supposed to be supervising the activities of their company, mm. stood behind a phalanx of lawyers and managed to prove that somehow the word responsibility didn't apply to them. I think that's very clever. This was it. February the whatever we are today, 1995. Probably 25th, isn't it? Oldest investment bank. Yeah, bearings collapses after securities broken. Nick Leeson loses $1.4 billion by speculating on the Singapore International Monetary Exchange using futures contracts today. Mm. So that's quite, quite appropriate it that is, we're talking it about is, all this it, stuff. Uh, uh, Thank you very much for pointing that out because it is a significant anniversary and it does remind us that nothing changes except for that nothing changes. Let's work this out. Nick Leeson was barely 25 when he did yeah, that. I know. That's crazy. And, and, I mean, you know, he, he, look, he, was, he was a futures trader. Some of those boys, how can I put it? 
they're, they're not from the top drawer, you know. Well, it, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a bit wild, and I remember at the time, because I went to Singapore to cover this, and some of my colleagues... For Beano. Well, for the Beano, yes. Some of my colleagues were, were, were going, God, do you know, he, he spent a lot of time hanging out in the bars in Clark Key. I say. And, and I was going <laughs> to... And, you know, to which I said, well, yeah, the Pope is indeed a Catholic. <laughs> It's amazing. I mean, what a, what a life that guy's had. Commodity traders, futures traders, all those sharp boys. You know, the fact that they go out and have a drink, they're a bit wild, and, and, and sometimes... Wild? Clark Key isn't wild. I've had wild on Mondays. No, no, but... I, well, yeah. <laughs> you, you're, but apparently, um, sometimes, <clears throat> he met girls as well. Could you I believe say. that? I I was shocked. I was quite shocked when I heard that. Let's move on to the first bit of Chris's email. Different topic. Of course, we're going to get into the budget. We are. Chris says, Emily and Co. were right again yesterday to decry the lack of investment in improvements in education, etc., but yet again scored an own goal in failing to provide examples of what should be done, thus just appearing, yet again, as naysayers. Well, we, we seem to have arrived at the budget now, don't we? And, and let's talk about that. I, I you know, whether um, Emily Lau was correct in the way she criticised it. I mean, look at this. Just look at the big picture. John Jung yesterday reminded me of nothing less than the parent, uh, a divorced parent, oh, sorry, a divorced father, we should say, who who doesn't quite provide child support for, and, you know, won't buy the uniforms for the kids to go to school, but on occasional weekends comes around and buys them ice cream and makes them all very happy. And they go, oh, Dad, aren't you nice? And he goes, yeah, I'll tell you what, we'll take you to the pictures as well. Hey, hey, hey. But this is John Jones. Want a free haircut, He won't something? deal with the school uniform. He won't deal with the kids' education. He won't be around when they really need him to help with the homework, but he will every year dollop out all these goodies and say, look, look, boys and girls, how generous I am. Two quarters, you won't have to pay rates. Here's another giveaway. This is the man... Roll up, roll up. Th this is the man who has said, and I quote directly what he said, one-off measures should be phased out. The only thing is that he's done eight budgets and the centrepiece of every one of his eight budgets has been one-off measures, including this one. It's money being given out with no long-term strategy whatsoever. And, furthermore, and, and beyond... And another thing. And another thing. You know, we're in a situation where you might say, well, Hong Kong's sloshing around with money, you know, it's quite right to give it back to the people. Very good, I'm very pleased to hear all of that. But the way that this money is given out is, is truly appalling, because we live in a society where, and I, I'm going to keep saying it on this programme yep. in case people forget it, yep. one-sixth of the population live below the poverty line. One-sixth of the population live below the poverty line. And budget after budget simply says, well, they're very poor, aren't they? I Next. say, very poor. So, Next. So, so you then give money in, in what economists call a, a retrogressive fashion. So you give money to people who have money. So, for example, if you're a rate payer, you get something off the rates. If you're um, a taxpayer, you get something off your taxes. If you're very poor in this society, you get come around the budget, you get practically nothing. It's true. A few pennies here, a few pennies there. 
No, no talk whatsoever of a universal pension scheme. No talk of helping people who live in the private sector in appalling housing what is the aversion to get to out this? of this. It's glaring. It's a £6,000 gorilla in the it's, room. It's absolutely appalling. And, of course, you can't trust John Jung or anybody in the government to tell you how much money they've got because he takes pride in the fact that year after year after year he gets the sums wrong. So this year, his estimate of the surplus was six times below what it turned out to be and he sort of hauls this out as being a triumph i can't i See, can't do my maths god when i went to school i wasn't very good at maths either but i got told off when i got my sums wrong tell me he this, seems Steve. to think it's an achievement how come dodgy jeremy the accountant in carolyn city could work this out and get it right think, and the man with the tie and the moustache I, I cannot think, i think dodgy jeremy's son could have worked this out yeah you know i mean this is just appalling if you have an unbroken track record for getting your sums wrong in most places you'd say i'd better go back to school and learn how to do the this CSE would work it would work yeah <laughs> i mean you know I, a, apparently they've got calculators now so there's all sorts of aids that could help you out with this sums business i've got a couple more emails first up i want to say hi to mike who writes to us from patia glorious place patia beautiful one of the beautiful places in the world i'm sure nick Leeson never hey, went there pretty boy right anyway mike's a top geezer and he says when i lived in db i used to have to get a bus to the ferry terminal one of our neighbor's wives used to get on the same bus with her son it was about four as they got on the bus he would shout my dad's a banker to which to which mother would usually respond with a B. But he says, after the 2008 banking debacle, he was told to shut up very quickly. Now, I'm glad Mike's referred to 2008 because Douglas writes to us as well. He says, the bank says he broke no rules or laws. The same excuse banks gave for the financial crisis in 2008. Once again, Indeed. he says, sigh, they never learn. Yeah, well, you know, as I say, this, this is a, an unbroken record. Here on Radio 3, still in with Steve Vines. I want to talk a bit more about the budget. It's morningbrew at rthk.hk if you want to get in touch. Thanks so far, or do sling something on our Morning Brew Facebook page. The one that's a bit interesting to me, Steve, 290 million Hong Kong bucks has been set aside to help businesses hurt by Occupy. Yeah, let's, let's um, um, look at this, because this, the genesis of this came during the Occupy movement when the... Um, the government and its more voracious supporters, vociferous, I should say, supporters, um, were saying, oh, you know, this, this Occupy movement is, calling, is causing complete economic chaos and downturn. And then there was that sort of slight embarrassment when the figures didn't support that point of view. But, hey, you mustn't let the facts get in the way of the story. So at the time, the government said, oh, well, yes, this has been an absolute economic disaster for Hong Kong. Uh, we don't need to rely on figures for that because we're telling you that's the fact. Um, therefore, we will put in the budget measures to help people who, who, who suffer from this disaster. They then looked at it and thought, oh, blimey, uh, we can't actually... Oh, dear. No, we can't quite think of a way of doing that. So instead... <laughs> you've got to laugh they, they, they then introduce a whole lot of measures like you know r relief for taxi drivers who of course made a fortune during Occupy movement driving longer distances around um, the obstructions in Central um, they then decided oh well, we better help restaurants because all restaurants were here you know the restaurants in Yun Long apparently who knows I mean this is just complete and utter horlicks and then because, uh, of course, this budget wasn't political, and I know that because the financial secretary said that, so it must be true. true. Then they said, oh, of course, this has also damaged our 
international reputation. So we better go out and have, through the HK um, Tourist Authority or Association, whatever it's called, the body that has managed to disappoint every time it opens its mouth. They said, oh, well, we're going to get them to go out to the world and, 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 and uh, um, uh, uh, you know, um, create a new image for Hong Kong, you know, breathe the clean air or whatever the, the um, slogan they're going to come up with. Well, let's look about this. Actually, Hong Kong did go on the map. It's quite true during the Occupy movement, in a favourable way. It may be the government didn't go on the map as a favourable way. I mean, when have before have you heard Hong Kong mentioned in glowing terms in the Oscars? The, the, the recipient of the, the Best Song Award, Common, the, the, the rapper, mentioned Hong Kong up there alongside Martin Luther King. Now, to an American audience, that's called, that's called a compliment. That's not called a criticism. When you compare, when you, 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 you mention Hong Kong in a continuum of protest movements from Salma, Alabama to, you know, to the streets of Central, you're saying something positive about Hong Kong. I know the government says, oh, you know, that, that was a criticism of Hong Kong. No, 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 boys, you don't understand nothing. How could it be a criticism <laughs> well, of that's, Hong Kong? I, I saw some idiot in the Post saying that today as well. Um, you know, th- this is... You just don't get it. You just don't get it. It is quite true that this is critical of the government. I, I, I don't disagree with that. But in fact, Hong Kong's stature as a place where people stand up for themselves, who are prepared to go on the streets to assert themselves, has risen by leaps and bounds. There's people I know who haven't given Hong Kong a second thought for many, many years, who, who suddenly got very interested in Hong Kong during the Occupy movement. So what is the Hong Kong Tourist Authority going, or association, whatever it's called, going to go out and say, uh, all of Hong Kong isn't involved in protest movements. Some of them are involved in shopping. Oh, no, no, we can't mention shopping. That's also controversial. Well, some of them are involved in in eating. Um, Some of them are involved in... Oh, never mind. It's all very good in Hong Kong, and we're part of China, and shut up. Hurrah! (laughs) Yes. Hurrah! And um, we're we're trying to adhere to the new um, judicious statement of the chief executive, CYLO, that we should all be more like sheep. Well, that's interesting. I mean, having got itself into the international press, the international press in some countries are saying, oh, this is a bit of fun. So they've now um, done a list of seven daft or inappropriate things the chief executive said in the Telegraph the other day. Oh, is that right? In Daily Telegraph. Telegraph. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I have to say, C.Y. Lung isn't a household name outside Hong Kong. And in Hong Kong, many people think his name is 689. Yeah, well, indeed. But he also has another name, apparently. Here's another one. Drake, good morning. This morning on Joint Chinese Radio Programme, a driver, taxi driver complained that the relief would only benefit the taxi owners, but not them, the frontline guys. That's worth remembering, because well, mo- most of them that aren't actually a very, that, That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Indeed. Um, yeah, if you hop in a taxi and you think that the person who's going to get the lion's share of your fare is, is the bloke in the cardigan driving it, you ain't right. Mm. Well, that, that, that actually gets to a much deeper issue. I mean, you know, the taxi drivers have their up moments and they're they down their, moments. Yes, I've, I've even met a grumpy taxi but, driver. But if you, if you want to look at the root of this problem, how come it costs the king's ransom to drive a taxi? I don't understand. Well because of the licensing system. Well, under- everything, that's, you know, it's yeah, crazy. Everything comes back, you know, why is land distribution so cockamamie in Hong Kong? Because of the licensing system. Why do people in my business, when I'm not doing this sort of thing, which is the restaurant business, are driven absolutely mad by the food, environment and hygiene department? Because 
they they employ these floods of chaps with with, with clipboards, clipboards yeah. who you know whose sole aim in life is to tick boxes. It's not to help the industry. It's not. It's to say no. It's not even cannot. fundamentally, and this is what really upsets me. Yeah. If I thought for one nanosecond that that the the, the, the the sum total of what they were doing was to protect public health and hygiene and really make sure that, that, that the public is protected through their activities, I'd say, well, it's all necessary. But it isn't. The way they go about it actually discourages you from having a proper, sensible hygiene regime in your, in your restaurant or, or, or whatever else. Because all you're doing is you're so worried about being prosecuted for things that, you know, like having a box in the wrong place on the floor which literally is the sort of thing you can be prosecuted for. But they're doing what well, they've been told to do, no well, more, it's on, no it's less. on the list. It's yeah. on the list. So you don't, you don't have any kind of sensible application of the rules. Yes, it's quite true that you need to keep food refrigerated at certain temperatures. But actually, there's not a rule for that. There is a rule for putting a box on a floor. Of course. I mean, this is just... I, don't get me started. Don't get me as, started. As, as they say in, in dispatches, it's it, it's complete and utter horlicks. Let's get back to the budget then. A couple of other bits and pieces. Uh, rates is up there. Child allowance is up there. Uh, I don't know what else grabs you. But tax- all of those are one-offs. All of those Indeed. are one-offs. Indeed. Yeah. Taxpayers benefiting, benefiting. Mm. Uh, this I don't understand. A re- well, hmm. a reduction of seventy-five percent in their salaries tax capped at twenty grand. In other words, 20 grand. In 20 grand, <laughs> yeah. In other words, I, I, I mean, you know, the geniuses that, that, that set up the presentation of these, these budget proposals, they, 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 they sort of start from, from the rear end and work backwards. So you, it's very, sometimes you look at it, it's like there, there, there's a proposal for dealing with the premium on home ownership scheme property sales. And you're thinking, what does all that mean? Well, what it means in plain, simple English is the difference between the selling price um, of those properties and the price that you paid for them. But why not say that if that's what you're talking about? Yeah, so uh, marks out of ten? Oh, marks out of ten, I think, a very heady two and a half. Well done, nice yes, one. Yes, very good, very good. Lots of denials going on at the moment, particularly the ones to do with pro-vice-chancellorism, at the uh, oh, Hong yes. Kong well, University. I saw a letter in the post today from somebody from CY Learning's office saying, oh, yeah. you know, this, no, this, no, this, is all, no. this is all speculation. If you've got any evidence, do come and bring it to us. Well, the evidence comes, you know, from the people who are involved in the council of the Hong Kong University. You, you don't think there's going to be a smoking gun. I mean, even CY Leung and his minions aren't stupid enough to have written a document saying the following people are on our blacklist, therefore you mustn't appoint them to any public office. God, that's not the way, that's not the way it works. What you do is you go to your trustees, who, after all, you, i.e. the chief executive, have appointed to these public posts, and you say, I say, <coughs> that uh, <coughs> Johannes Chan, uh, um, let's put it this way, don't you dare vote for him. <laughs> so, you know, this is how it's done. So the, the idea that... The, the, uh, and they're tempting fate by asking the public to believe that, that this hasn't happened. Because there's so much of it going on. It's not just the appointment at the um, University of Hong Kong of a pro-vice-chancellor. It's, it's, it's now working its way through the system. 
so that, that for example, people who serve on quite innocuous sort of safety bodies who, who are suspected of having democratic lenient leanings are being purged. I mean, this is just... <laughs> Anti-McCarthyism, is, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> this makes Joe McCarthy look like a sheer amateur. On, the, on, on his head, sort <laughs> yeah. of thing. Where, where else in the world do you get... Well, I went. well you know, I mean, uh, uh, those of us who, who come from pluralistic systems understand that, that in a system like that, when it comes to public bodies, the word public actually has a meaning here, it shouldn't just be stuffed full of people who are political cronies. That's what happens only in dictatorships. That's why, you know, if, if you go across the border, you'll find that some of the people administering the arts have never seen a painting in their life, but they are solid party members. So... By across the border, do you mean Kowloon? I, I don't quite mean that far. I mean Yoon Long. <laughs> oh, yeah, we must mention that before we go. We must mention that. In fact, we could mention that now, shall we? I mean, what is going on here? I find these demonstrations against mainlanders rather rather upsetting because I think that they they pick the wrong target. It's the victims versus the victims. Why do people come across the border? Because they can't rely on the goods that they buy because of the system. It's the rotten system that people should be protesting against. But I understand why. If you live in Yunlong and you can't get on your bus to go to work, you're going to be a bit annoyed. If you live in Yunlong and you go to a, 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 a shopping centre and all you want to buy is a bag of rice, but you find all the shops are filled with milk powder and other stuff, which doesn't meet your daily necessities, you're going to be annoyed. Yes, you are. And if you get into a situation where um, you seem to be surrounded by people who are talking rather loudly in Putonghua, you may well feel that this is no longer your own home. You, you've got So I understand all of that, but I think that the cause of it isn't them, I mean, isn't the people themselves, it's the system that propels them across the border. Apparently and they don't help, Steve. No, I... I Just I, saying. I, I do understand that, and that's why I'm saying, you know, I'm not going to be one of these people who, who's going to say that they shouldn't be any form of process, but I think what this goes to, fundamentally, is this sense of helplessness, you know, is that the Hong Kong leadership never stands up for Hong Kong. You know, C.Y. Long says, well, you know, this influx of people... I'll go and ask Beijing what to do. Constitutional reform, well, that's all been decided upstairs. Any big decision nowadays, cross-border developments, big infrastructure projects, well, you know, it's not really for us to decide. We've got to speak to the people in Beijing about this. So people here get the message that the government not only is not in control, doesn't want to be in control. It wants to be told what to do yeah. by the big bosses. And you know what? People find this very frustrating. What you're seeing there, though, is human nature. You're saying, well, it's a bit unfair. Yes, I agree with you, all on paper. But what you're seeing is human nature taking yes. its toll. No, I, now, I, they're, they're talking about another big demonstration in Yunlong this weekend. Now, Occupy, on the whole, was very, very peaceful. Somebody can get seriously hurt on yes, this. And this yes. will snowball. This will snowball, and it will snowball. But I say... The background to that is this sense of helplessness, is the sense that nobody who runs Hong Kong is on the side of Hong Kong people. That's, I think, what the frustration, that's the fundamental cause of the frustration. It's quite true that when it's in your face and you go to a shopping centre and you can't find anybody who speaks your own language, you are likely to be a bit off-put. I think what they're thinking here is that if the pressure is put on at street level in Hong Kong, the word will go around in Guangdong, don't go there, they're going to give us a hard time, and bit by bit by bit, it's going well, to thin I think out. There, there is already some evidence I think it that, has, that, yeah. that that is indeed happening.
But I think if you if you were sitting in Yunlong, and I mean as a minimum, you I mean of course the grand people who run the government here don't go to those sort of places, and they said, boy, there's a problem with transportation. We're going to fix that. There's a problem with 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 the way that um, shopping centres are operating. We're going to fix that. This is actually all fixable, you know. This oh, totally. Isn't, this isn't this isn't some sort of bizarre problem that has no solution. There are very real solutions. Add more buses. Make provisions for shopping centres that sell daily necessities. These are completely doable Stop propositions. Being no, Stop no, being silly. No, I no, want to wrap no, up here. Somebody no, who no. obviously knows you says, tell Steve to tell the story about what the licensed people said about stools in one of his restaurants. It's a ripper. <laughs> is there a story here? <laughs> uh, yes, there is. Go on, then, if you want to. <laughs> well, no, it was, it's, it's just, you know, it's just typical, <laughs> it's typical nonsense. I, 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 I think we were going to be fined for um, uh, having stools placed in the wrong place well under tables uh, how dare you no i think i think it was actually i, I can't remember that uh, to be honest fine yeah oh fine yes 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 so <laughs> i had to physically move them while the clipboard people were there and i said well if they're there um are you, are, are you a lot happier now <laughs>